God is speaking to us today through the experiences of life, but how do we listen to what He is teaching us? If we've lived very long on this earth, it's likely the Lord has taught us many truths along the way. But for some of us, like me, I know I have to keep going back to the drawing board and learning the same lesson over and over again. Hi, I'm David Dennis with the Kansas Communities Ministry with the Navigators. I'm so glad you joined us today for this first of three podcasts concerning seeing God's hand at work in the life of Mr. Willie Penner. What would it be like to live in a concentration camp? What would it be like to be removed from your own home, only to be brought back as a young teenager and forced to serve as a slave in that same area? Would you be tempted to give up or to question God's goodness? Today we hear from Mr. Willie Penner. Mr. Penner is 85 years old, and I recently had the opportunity to interview him about his life story and what the Lord has taught him and how the Lord has faithfully brought him through so many challenges. Before we begin today, let me set the stage a bit for you from an historical perspective. Willie's family was originally from Holland, then northern Germany. Catherine the Great from Russia invited many Mennonites, Baptists, and Lutherans to move to Russia for good farmland and to worship God as they pleased and to speak their own language. Some of Willie's forefathers got the same invitation from Poland. His grandparents didn't go all the way to Russia but stayed in Poland. They had freedom and lived in their own little colonies in Poland. They enjoyed their lifestyle and enjoyed going to school and church. Willie's immediate family, as I said, was born in Germany. Along with other German Mennonite families, Willie's father was scheduled to come to the United States in 1910. However, because of some unique circumstances, he instead stayed in Poland and was treated quite well. He married Willie's mother in Poland, and to that union, a girl and a boy were born. Willie's sister was about 10 years older than Willie. They had a good life in Poland, working as farmers. Willie attended a German school in Poland in grades 1 and 2. When Willie was about 6 years old, his sister, then 16, contracted scarlet fever and was hospitalized for some 20 days before she succumbed to that illness. Willie's primary language was German, but he could understand Polish. 1944 was a momentous year. The Germans invaded Poland, where Willie and his parents lived, and in that same year his sister passed away. The next year, 1945, the Russians began pushing the Germans back out of Poland. The following amazing stories are real events that happened to this faithful man of God, Willie Penner. I have with me today um, a friend and uh, shirt-tail relative, I guess, Willie Penner, uh, lives in North Newton, Kansas, and uh, I want to thank him very much uh, for his willingness to sit down with me today. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Willie has a, a, a great testimony for our Lord, and um, just like for him maybe to start out by uh, telling us what you did for a career uh, during your life, first okay. of all. Well, once I came to the United States, I... Uh, I was so far behind in education because I had missed a number of years in in uh, Europe of going to school, so it took me a while to catch up, you know. And but I finished uh, grade school, high school, and uh, went uh, started Tabor College and went to Southwestern State University in Weatherford, Oklahoma, where uh, I majored and uh, got into elementary education. And so I spent the last thirty seven years. Uh, as a teacher to start with, and then uh, I became principal 
in elementary school in the same school. I spent uh, 34 years in one school system. Man, I was so thankful God helped me through those times. So take us back now to your growing up years. Um, you have a very interesting story. Just take us back. And I'd like for you to share as we go along some of the principles that God has taught you through your life. So let's go back to, to the beginning. Yeah. Okay. I, my first 12 years uh, of my life, I uh, grew up in Poland. Uh, now, I'm not Polish. I was German, and that became a problem later on. But my forefathers all lived in uh, in uh, Poland, and so uh, uh, these were very simple times where we still farmed with horses, and our farms were very small. But uh, the big thing that uh, I think we want to cover today is the complication of World War II. Okay. Uh, my family consisted of my two parents, and I had a sister who was 10 years older, and she passed away. She had scarlet fever when she was 18 years old. And, you know, in that day and time, we didn't have uh, penicillin. And so that complicated things, and she passed away at that age. And so I was the lone ranger who survived in our family. Uh, and uh, we got along very well. I felt very well with the Polish people. There were times in between when history changed, you know, that... It stressed our relationships, you know, but we lived in the same village with them. However, we lived alone in our parts, and we never went to their church. They didn't go to our church. They were a different faith. And uh, My dad was a farmer, and uh, most people were farmed with horses, and so life was very simple. So then, uh, 1945, when the Russians started backing the Germans out of Poland, that was in, uh, uh, you know, first Germany went through Poland 19, September 1, 1939, and backed uh, even the Russians out uh, quite a ways, and that offended them, and they started backing the Germans out of Poland, and that began to complicate us because we felt like since we were German, we needed to get to Germany. However, Hitler did not allow us to leave premature, so we'd have plenty of time to go. And here it was, winter time, February. And uh, where we lived, it was uh, as far north as uh, Winnipeg, Canada, you know, so it was very cold, February. Uh, we had horse and wagon. And then the last three days, my dad got drafted, so it was just my mom who was lame. She... She suffered a dislocated hip when I was born, and they never got it in place. It would have been so simple, you know. So then we even got the Polish man who worked for us to drive our horses once we got the green light, so to speak. We uh, evacuated. It took us about uh, four five days, and the Russians caught up with us, so we were away from home. And uh, they, uh, we were just so scared because uh, we didn't know what they were going to do to us. You know, we're civilians, and uh, conditions were horrible, cold and slick. So once they caught up with us, they imprisoned us. And uh, our, when I say ours, it was my mom, myself, and then her brother and her, their family. We were all together, kind of. So they imprisoned us. 
we had to surrender all our clothing that we had on because we knew we were going to lose everything. So we dressed warmly, one layer on top of another, and then uh, uh, all the the best clothing were on the outside. So we looked uh, pretty uh, good. So the, so they had to we had to undress and put all the clothing on one pile, and then then we had to go to another pile to pick up clothing. My mom, I, I remember her saying. Yeah, these are probably the clothes that uh, the people in Auschwitz were before they were executed, you know, Jews, you know. So anyhow, uh, we stayed there two weeks. Horrible conditions. Man, I tell you, we uh, all we got was potatoes and water, you know, and we had to line up, and uh, it reminded me. One little experience... I remember when I was five years old, a neighbor girl and I were playing, and I knew Mom was baking bread. I said, Martha, let's go uh, to my house. My mom has fresh bread. Boy, we went there, and I got the heel, you know, and got a little too big a piece. I guess I was wanting to impress her, you know. We went out playing again, but uh, it got a little much, you know, and I said, oh, I feel like throwing the rest away. And, well, nobody's going to see it, you know. So I threw it over the fence and forgot about it. But here I'm standing in line for water and potatoes. And I said, oh, I wish I'd had that little piece of bread. Mm. And uh, Russians came by, officers, you know, carrying loaves of bread. And, man, I just couldn't resist. I followed them into their quarters. and, And they looked at me and said, what do you want? I said, well, could you please give me a little piece of bread? I am so hungry. Boy, they looked at each other. I think they were so amazed at my courage, you know. Get out of here, you know. So I got out, got in line, and waited. But anyhow. How how old were you? I was eight years old. Eight years old. So then uh, during this time, these two weeks, my aunt was taken away by the Russians. My uncle, he was taken first with our daughter, and we have never heard of him. Mm-hmm. even to this day. And uh, so that left uh, their two little boys and myself and my mom, the four of us. They just let us go, let us out, and where do we go, you know? So this was in the middle of winter? It was the middle of winter. It was afternoon. I remember first thing, uh, wanted to find some food, and, and where are we going to stay night? You know, we had no arrangements so as we were walking, we were walking towards home again, where we came from. We saw an abandoned house, and we walked to it, and it was totally empty. A farmer used it to store straw in there, you know. And so um, we just decided to overnight there, you know. We, uh, we What we did is we made tunnels in the straw, straw and hay. Everybody made their own tunnel. And before we went, crawled into these tunnels, we, uh, somebody, probably my mom suggested, hey, let's pray together. I, I wished I could uh, remember what I prayed or what we prayed, but I'm sure we were thankful that we were released. But now uh, we needed uh, to get home. It took probably uh, seven days for my mom to walk home because she was lame. We didn't have food. Uh, and uh, so we prayed, we knelt down, and we prayed. And, amen. We crawled into our tunnels, and we slept all night. In the morning, we got up. We didn't have to dress because we were dressed. There was no breakfast, so we got out and got on the road again. 
We really didn't make any attempts to hitchhike because we felt that was, again, a problem. We barely got on the road heading in that direction towards home, and a, a Russian came along on a truck. Oh, and he stopped, and we just said, oh, no, here we go again. But he jumped out. He said, get in, get on. And so my mom and I helped her get on the back of the truck. It was a bobtail truck. And my two cousins inside the cab, and off he went. You know, we had no idea where he was going. And then uh, my cousins, my oldest cousin, pretty well knew where we needed to get off. And suddenly he came to a stop, halt, and we got off, and he took off again. And uh, all before we got off, he rolled his window down, and his hand came out, and there was a big piece of bread Mm. for both mom and me. I tell you, I just can never forget that. I I always refer to this incident as the Russian angel, mm. the Russian angel. And they were our enemies, but here was a Russian angel. Mm. We got home that same day. He took us that far instead of a whole week. And so then we get home. We could not have our place back because the Polish people took over. And, uh, in fact, they didn't even let my mom into the house anymore. Uh, So, uh, to condense this more, we as became refugees, and the Polish people then came and picked us out. The people that lived on our farm picked me out to work for them for the next four years. And I had basically slave status, you know. These were people we knew. And it was so awkward because at first they greeted us so warmly, but then they found out that they weren't, you know, supposed to do that. So, so what, what, what was slave status like? Tell me what that was like working Okay, for at the age of 8, 9, 10, and 11, you know, four years, <clears throat> I lived with these people, which was my home, for four years. I had to do the work. Um, Amanda's, you know, carry buckets of water with... Uh, with a shoulder harness, you know, uh, yoke, you know, I could carry two buckets of water too, because all our animals were basically inside the barn. The barn and the house were all one building. Uh, it was uh, difficult work and um, feed all the animals. Uh, the women traditionally all always milk cattle because the men did the the rest of the work, you know, and. Uh, for visiting in the summertime, I could uh, once or twice I could visit my mom where she was at. She was uh, at a different place, but they never would allow my mom to come visit us. In fact, no one in those four years ever came to visit us. I was so much alone, and so in four years, oh, it was given forbidden to use the German language. Of course, there was nobody talked to German, so I. I, in four years, I forgot the German language. <clears throat> and that was your native language that you had grown up with? Just Polish, you know. Was, yeah. And that was, yeah, that was my home language, mm-hmm. German. And then after four years, you know, the Poland had to surrender these uh, people like me who were taken prisoners, you know. And uh, we... Uh, were transported from one refugee camp to another and finally on a train to Germany and where we eventually met my dad, you know. But when I met my dad for the first time in four years, 
I, I couldn't speak to him. He talked to me in German. I answered in Polish. <laughs> what did that experience of, of really working as a slave, what did that teach you? What, what did you? Well, I think, uh, you know, I was, I worked hard to please my boss out of fear at first mm -hmm. because I knew that he had total ownership of me like a slave, you know, because I knew there were times people came and they wanted to, they wanted me and, and they would hide me. I didn't know it at first. And so if I didn't perform, I knew they could have uh, sold me or gave me to somebody else. And I, I was so thankful that I could be on our home place, you know. So working hard. Uh, I think what it taught me is uh, all my life I, I felt like I was a hard worker. I had a good work ethic, you know. And so uh, now when we close at the end, uh, I feel like I in, I wanted to volunteer my services, actually volunteer, not not demand pay, but volunteer, you know. And I I feel like I'm working for God, and he has been so gracious to me. Goodness. Uh, I don't know how he does it, but he has rewarded us. We've been... Uh, and I'm, when I say we, it's my wife, and uh, we have three children. Of course, they're gone at this point, you know, married. And, but God has provided for us miraculously. And it's it's uh, some of these things like uh, that time in that uh, house where we didn't have food, you know. Uh, I think back, you know, Jerry Bridges from the Navigators, when he visited our house one time in Cimarron about 18 years ago, he made this point, which I thought was real good. He says, uh, rehearse your salvation, your history, you know, and, and ex, uh, is it Exodus or is it uh, Deuteronomy 6 talks about Israel coming to the promised land. Man, remember, uh, wells you didn't dig, houses weren't furnished. When I came to this country, it was all like on a platter, you know, and uh I still benefit from that time when uh, we got out of that house and the Russian comes along. He gives us a ride, saves us six days of walking. He gives us bread. You know, at that time, I didn't realize it was a miracle. And so uh, uh, sometimes we have to think back or else if we forget those times, we don't benefit from them spiritually. Have you taken the time to rehearse what the Lord has done in your life? How has He taught you through the good times and the bad? How do we do that? I think start by asking God to bring to mind some of the truths that He wants to teach you. Pray that you will be open to learning and getting rid of bitterness or anger about events or circumstances that may not have gone your way. Then, be alert to the Holy Spirit teaching you His truths. John 8, 31 and 32 says, Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, If you abide in My word, you are My disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Are you under bondage today from some past bitterness or sin? Jesus promises that if you know the truth, which is Jesus Christ Himself, the truth will make you free free from the bondage of sin, free from bitterness or disappointment. When we take time to abide in His Word, we will know the truth, and the truth will indeed make us free. 
Join us next time as we hear about an experience Willie had when he was nearly killed by lightning and what the Lord taught him as we learn more about making disciples naturally. The views expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the navigators, nor of the Kansas Communities Ministry. Thank you for listening.